Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Footballistically, Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. Boyd Hilton is once again doing something far more showbiz than the Footballistically Arsenal podcast, but I hope we won't miss him too much and he's definitely not here because of the defeat at Watford. In fact, I imagine he would revel in telling me how wrong I've been in in recent weeks and probably years about having the faith we do in Arsene Wenger, but we will come on to that in due course. I'd like to say I've got two fantastic guests with me. First up, semi-regular, I would say Tim Payton. Tim, welcome. Good evening. Tim, you were you were not at Watford. You were watching no, I didn't it from go to the. Watford. I was watching it from the sofa. Okay, we're, we're telling Tim to talk more clearly into his microphone. We're telling him off straight away. <laughs> You're a pro at this media lot. You should know better, Tim. I should do. I should do. I'm waking up. Um, Ultra HD was it? Boyd always goes on about his Ultra HD. Was it, it was Ultra all too clear. <laughs> all too clear. Gosh. Okay, uh, and James, you were you were James Wilson. We should say your your second appearance, I think, on Football is the Arsenal. Yeah, two and, years apart. But and we can uh, we're probably probably the podcast. I was saying to Tim before we started, the podcast is probably the same. If you're listening two years ago, you're listening now four years ago sadly um it's a bit familiar we could just um, play the tape from a year ago and see if anyone notices we could but i like to think there <laughs> same are, old arsenal <laughs> uh, I, I naively think people would know the difference but i might be wrong but uh, fingers crossed you do all know the difference um we can find you on twitter at beard of perez correct but why was it why beard of perez what was the thinking there mm, the favorite player um, yeah and favorite I'd, beard i'd like people to think i'm a hipster um, You've got a beard going. I do have a beard. Uh, it's not as nice as his. It's no. more ginger than his, but yeah. it looks well groomed. I would say. Uh, Thank you. Um, and you were on a you were on a stag this weekend. You said uh, yeah, in so, Newcastle. But you watched the game from from Newcastle. Yeah, I managed to watch it on the booze cruise on my phone on the BT Sport app, and it. Yeah, it was, I think we it was talk more about this booze cruise than the Arsenal game. Actually, tell us a little bit about the booze cruise. It was me. And How can you have a cruise on a? Was it you know some sort of yacht element? 
I think a yacht is a generous right. explanation for it. It okay. was a clapped out old motorboat with me and 10 friends and then about 50 overweight Scottish middle-aged men. Um, Were they also on a stag? Yes. Not your stag? Not, not our stag. Different stags? Yeah, it would be quite, yeah, but it was an unusual mix. Right. Well, I hope you had a good time. It, yeah. I mean, I was at Vicarage Road, um, which was, I don't like going there. I, I don't know what you mean, but it's, it's so, even, everything about it is a bit cramped and a bit, a bit tight. And we were down away in the corner and it was okay until about 70 minutes. And then it started to, to go wrong. I didn't see it coming. Did you, Tim? I, I didn't actually until, and we'll talk about Troy Deeney's comments. He's been, I feel a little bit disrespectful, but we'll come on to that in a minute. I, I didn't see it coming. I I know what you mean, but you're watching Arsenal only 1-0 up, not taking chances, and you know that is a team that is a goal from crumbling, and that is a team that can panic and retreat. So, did I see it coming? I don't know. Was I surprised in the slightest, particularly when they got their kind of slice of luck with a penalty? Not at all. It was Arsenal all over it. Don't assert yourself when you're ahead and then crumble under a bit of pressure, particularly when the team, you know, decide that, oh, we can beat you, and they start playing, and they'll be a bit physical. Arsenal just don't cope with that. There's a few things to pick up there. The first thing, you refer to the penalty as a slice of luck. Is that, is that fair? James, what do you, what do you think? A slice of luck? I, it's not a pen. It was outright cheating. So, well, it was a huge chunk of luck, wasn't it? I, yeah, I'm probably in the middle of the two because I don't think it was out. I'm not sure. Like it's one of them where I don't think you can book him for diving, but you don't give a pen. For me, I, I think you know. I think it's a harsh penalty. Yeah. I, I actually think that the panel not referring it is correct. One of the reasons I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm in the minority, but I don't want all this video replay nonsense. Is that in football decisions are subjective? In the other sports, people go on about in the other sports, their factual decisions, did the ball cross the line? Was the ball touched down? Now, I think I would probably say that's a 70-30 penalty decision, but there is movement by Bellerin's leg. Bellerin moves the leg across when the ball's clearly being put past him, and actually a really good defender doesn't make that movement with the leg, but he keeps shadowing. What, what, what I thought was interesting... Go on, James, do you want to jump in I was, there? I was just going to say the acid test for me, if that was Alexis or Ozil in Watford's box, I don't think I'd be screaming that vehemently for it. Not with belief. I mean, we all do it, don't we? we, oh, we of, course, pen, 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 oh, of course you would. But What was interesting, Keown, I think, made the point when I watched this later back in terms of the TV coverage, maybe you, you'd have picked up on this watching. He sort of suggested that Bellerin wasn't as incensed as he, he should be. It looked like this disgruntled acceptance, whereas we do sort of hop back to, you know, most, most famously Keown at Old Trafford when they did get that penalty, you know, how incensed they all were and put pressure on the that, referee. That, it just looked like this kind of like, not, I don't know, indifference? Is that unfair? Arsenal players don't really do incensed, do they? Or yeah. attitude or up for it? It's, it's really noticeable when you're at games, which you wouldn't, you know, people on TV wouldn't necessarily notice it, but seeing how our players respond to conceding a goal, it's literally heads down and trudge back to the halfway line. I know it's slightly a slightly kind of basic analysis, but if you do think back to those days of Martin Keown, Tony Adams, even Vieira Henri, Auburn Burkamp, etc., there would be some kind of gesticulation about, you know, come on, let's turn this around. Whereas it really I think resignation is yeah, you know, an apt word to describe the reaction any time we do concede. 
Look, it's probably uh, time to tell you that full list of the Arsenal is back for the season by Labrooks. You can bet £5 and get £20. If you deposit £5, Labrooks would add another £20 to your account and you can get this offer by following the link at bet.arsenalpodcast.net. Now, I want to come on to Troy Deeney's comments because they were obviously in the heat of the moment um, after the game. As moments go for a, a Watford striker, he's obviously incredibly pleased with it with the last 20 minutes of that game but I'll, ju- I'll just read out what he said he said I've heard Wenger's already blaming the decision as the reason why they lost I'm not going to be the one to tell Mr Wenger about himself but there's a reason why they lost and it wasn't because of one penalty I'll have to watch what I say it's having a bit of cojones a bit of nuts um, whenever I play Arsenal I'll go up and think let me whack the first one and see who wants it I came on today and jumped with Mertesaka I didn't even have to jump actually I nodded it down the crowd gets up yeah we've got somebody who can win it and they all just backed off for me as a player I just think happy days that's my strength I know I'm not technically gifted like they are not as quick but if you want to fight with me I'm going to beat you all day do you think it was appropriate comments fair heat of the moment shock horror footballer talks for truth I mean really he should you know siphon off his comments to some media PR man who can write some bland nonsense on Twitter that's what footballers do isn't it or it's what Arsenal footballers do I think Tridini should be employed as a consultant to Arsenal Football Club because he seems to have identified the problems in our squad more greatly there's a touch you know actually I don't think it's that disrespectful because he actually says I'm a limited player and I make up for it by putting in some effort and some fight I don't think that you know because footballers are now almost conditioned to be bland and boring and not say too much there's a little bit of it's probably more than you'd expect but he's full of adrenaline and he's come on and turned that game around and he's turned it around through attitude and desire and really Arsenal fans are getting upset with him I think really they're not upset with him they're upset with Arsenal and his comments have hit home I don't know what you think James I think the thing which annoyed me most about what he said wasn't necessarily the weak underbelly insinuation but it was more when he I think he also said Arsenal didn't lose because of a penalty decision well it's so churlish and pig-headed to look at back at that game and say an incorrect penalty decision didn't of course it was their first shot on target of course that penalty of course it was if that penalty doesn't happen Arsenal probably still win the game I agree I wasn't I was I didn't quite see it coming that way that's what I mean I think I completely agree with you 100% that that penalty does, of course, change the game because at that point, you, it's obviously Ozil's miss is in everyone's mind. When he's missed yeah. it, you've got everyone thinking a bit like you, Tim. Oh, we, we don't put games away. And then, you know, within 30 seconds, Bellerin has given an unfair penalty. And, and then from that moment on, you thought, yeah, we'd probably take a draw here. The, you know, it just it did the tie turn unbelievably. And yet, that was still, you know, I know they hit the post a few minutes before they did get the there winner. There 20 minutes to go, but when you when it does go to one all and you, you know, definitely, you know, harsh penalty, unlucky. But with 20 minutes to go, you should be thinking, there's 20 minutes, Arsenal got 20 minutes to go out and win this. But you're not, you're thinking, shit, 20 minutes, are this lot going to have the metal to stand up to what's coming? And they did not at all. I, I agree, but I just think what Deeney said played up to... Na- the kind of media and fan base narrative of which there is a huge chunk of truth about soft underbelly etc cetera, etc cetera. but it really did it let Watford off the hook insofar as and probably made the analysis of how we played slightly harsher by thoughts by totally detracting from the impact of that penalty because like it or not, if that's any other team, people aren't saying, but oh... there are incidents in the game, we, we probably wouldn't have got past West Brom at home, but for a ref 
making wrong calls on penalty decisions. West Brom should definitely have had one. I think even two you could make the case for. Those things happen. Players just have to keep going, get yeah. on with it, deal with adversity. I, I, I went back to the to the Guardian live blog, and I think we referred to the Guardian in the last podcast we did. But I went back and I, I read through the, the live text to, to get back into the mindset. And what was the whole game back? Or should you watch the extended highlights? And, and the, the quote as we go into injury time is, it'll be four minutes at a time... Um, Dini's low drive blocked by Metataka. Arsenal hanging on for a point in the match they dominated. And maybe we do have to remember that... that it, I don't know. It feels like the, the, the narrative of what's happening has just gone so far the other way in line with defeat. There were, again, the fans around me, it was, it was Wenger out. And yet, but for you know, Mesut, who will it's come on to in a minute... In, it's not a result in isolation. Josh, that's, for, that's, uh, four, that's four away games with one goal yeah. and one point. Yeah, it's bit, you know, and I think the real danger is that, oh, if it had penalty hadn't have happened, everything's rosy at Arsenal. Let's not delude not ourselves. Rosy, but back but, on a path that, to being the fourth, that, fourth that, best team, that, which is what we are. Have, have we? We haven't scored a goal from open play away from home this season, have we? We've only scored one goal. Yeah, I mean the the goal on yeah. on Saturday it was the uh, from a corner. Was the only yeah. goal of the season. Um, that's that's almost more. Were you surprised he went with uh, with Pear to start ahead of Holding? No, because I think he wanted some experience. Yeah, it just seemed like a change of heart. It seemed like the whole of last season, Pear was it. you know regarded as someone who would only play an absolute emergency, and, and that FA Cup final was an emergency. Um, I found it frustrating. There were there were people around at the end who also thought. Even though Koscielny had to come off, could Wenger have gone to a back four, been a bit more positive to try and win the game? And actually, it, perhaps he just saw, James, I don't know what you thought, he just saw the opportunity to almost take what we've got, take the point, keep it as it is, don't change the shape, bring on holding, just do like for like. Yeah, I think that's right. And the point you made before actually about holding or Mertesacker when it seemed for long periods of last season and early this, Mertesacker was kind of persona on grass on the playing staff. But then he starts a fairly tough away game. It does reek of no strategy, no vision, etc., which is something that's been levelled at Wenger for a, a quite fairly lengthy period of time. And I think, you know, you see what's happened over the summer with our central defenders. Chambers put out to pasture, but now apparently being offered new contracts. It's some real fuzzy thinking around that position in particular. And given a lot of the intelligence, Jessica Shelney's Achilles are never really going to get better. I think that's he's been managed through now. He is, and but that's a position that is beginning to look quite concerning. You know, you've got Mustafi, who's clearly not particularly happy either. Um, but for, in terms of what he did on Saturday, I do think he should have probably gone for the jugular a bit more and converted to four at the back. Um, of course, we, no you asked, not to. You asked about Troy Deeney's comments. What they did partly overshadow was Per Metasecker's comments which were at the out there end of a, of a footballer being honest. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any repercussion there because the last player who basically said we weren't good enough, we were, weren't up for it, was Theo Walcott. We've basically not seen him since. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even there was a clear that if there was going to be anything sort of slightly attacking as a substitution towards the end of the game, very clearly we saw Wilshire being ready. Theo is just, well, presumably we'll see him on Thursday again. We'll come on to the game with Belgrade. But that seems to be all it is for Theo at the moment. It's, it's just... I'm sure it's more than the comments he made after the Palace game. But Per Mertesicker was really out there to be captain of the club and say that the players you were captaining weren't up for it, didn't give enough, is really strong criticism. Yeah, well, what what other major major club in world football would two senior players come out within the space of 10 games? Because I think, yeah, probably about 10 games ago at Palace... 
and admit that they weren't psychologically up for the fight. It's it's flabbergasting actually, and it it's a, another one of those things where you say this could only fucking happen at Arsenal. Yeah. It doesn't happen well, at other big. What clubs. other club in world football would you wait almost two years to have your captain make an appearance in the first team? Well, that was it. Was one of the first time. What was it? The first time our captain appeared in a league game for some extraordinary amount. It's of time, over two like, years. years. Um, well, well, he did another interview pair with the uh, Sky Sports, I think, and and this is what he said. When asked about Troy Deeney's comments, he goes, I don't know what he said. I don't pay attention. It was after the game, so I didn't watch it. We should concentrate on ourselves, first of all. There are so many guys involved in so many opinions, which is fine, but we need to focus on ourselves and learn lessons from that. If we start to listen to too many people, it's not worth it. Honestly, I need to look at myself and think what could have been done better. Afterwards, it's easy to judge and easy to say words and thinks we're lacking something. We have to think how we can provide better performances, especially away from home where it gets tight and difficult. And uh, it seems we were saying before, weren't we, Tim? An extraordinary amount of time, you know, when we were unbeatable away. And and now this season is one goal um, and, you know, what is it, one point, effectively, you know, in our hardest game, bizarrely of all, at Chelsea. It's just been a, an issue on the road um, and, and something that, you know, we'll, we'll obviously need to improve if we are to make that top four, which already October is, is the, clearly the potential peak of what our season could be. Well, you know, underpinning this, if you could call it crisis, particularly with the away games, of course, it's the issue of how often is Sanchez going to play? How often is Ozil going to play? Should he play? I believe that when you have your two strong players like that who can clearly offer so much but one out, that clearly sets a vibe around the other nine or ten. You know, you get a sense of a club that is drifting where people know that, you know, one or two want out. I think there are more that want to go as well. I'd be astounded if Ramsey signs a contract renewal unless something of extraordinary size is put in front of him. I think Jack's not quite sure which way to go with where he is. And others, it's a club that just... It feels in everything you look at like drift is going on, like there's a lack of purpose, but ultimately a lack of unity. And what really rubs the nose in it at the moment is you just look four miles up the road at Spurs, but it's not four miles, is it? Now it's 12, so that's not a good analogy. But it's almost a complete opposite at the moment. You know, there's a contrast, isn't there, James? There is. And we were discussing off air before we came on, actually, and without wishing to espouse the virtues of Pochettino too much, but the contrast both in terms of narrative towards him um, given he's won nothing but how well Spurs are playing and how they are perceived as competitors and it's it needs to be viewed in the context of how much clubs have spent on teams on the, on their squads I saw a stat on about the games on Saturday the starting 11 of Tottenham cost 107 million compared to Man City was 400 million United's were 300 million less a 90 million Pogba Chelsea was 250, Arsenal was 150, less than Ozil, because he didn't start. And the job Pochino is doing there is not dissimilar to almost to what Wenger did 10 years ago, whereby they were a club punching above their weight in terms of their financial might and getting more out of his players than the sum of their parts. And that's a real skill. It's something Fergie had. Look at some of the poor lineups he put out and was able to get more from them. Whereas, to me, Wenger has a super talented squad at the moment with not that many gaps in the starting eleven, But, if anything, they're playing below themselves and have been for some time, and that's a difficult trend to come out of. Talking about this um, not getting the, the most out of the squad, which is a, you know, a point you could definitely label, in fairness, at the squad at the moment. Player acquisition is something that's interesting in the club. I just want to touch on, because Dick Law will be leaving 
um, the club and, and you see, but the news about Mark Overmars and and how that you think will time will will Wenger you know there'll be one final year of Wenger we assume having a new director of football team I know you, you know your background and your insight with those at the club do you think there'll be any change of, of mentality on transfers or relinquishing a bit of power to someone else I don't see any considerable change while you still have Arsene Wenger as manager and actually Ivan Gazidis as chief executive you're going to have to wait for Arsene to go for there to be a real shake-up everyone who comes in at the moment is subservient and second to decision making running through Wenger and he's neither decisive nor certain about what he wants to do at the moment okay but with the idea that you know Mark Overmars is coming new role the club of said that's questionable they clearly need someone in I would have thought you want someone in now not next summer because by the time the summer gets around you need to know what you're doing the problem with Arsenal is you get the feeling they don't think about the summer transfer window until the summer transfer window is open actually sometimes that's not fair I think Koscielniak was clearly identified and targeted and some is done but Arsenal have got is it 16 players coming out of contract this summer or the following summer you need someone thinking about that every day now you know Game game theory. Well, that's one of the what's going to happen? Where where are they off to? And you get a sense that it don't even appear to have a any idea of how to handle the Urzel Sanchez. If you you know you made a big fuss of keeping them in August, and then in October you're publicly basically saying they're available to the best offer. How does that create any sense of certainty or direction in the squad? Well, it's certainly one of the things Tottenham have, have done far better at the moment in keeping players who they want to keep at the club on contracts for a length of time that mean they're not vulnerable in, I think in they're going the to really way. regret not taking the 60 million for Sanchez I think we're going to end up paying about 3.5 million for each appearance he makes for the team in this season yeah would you buy that there was a muscular problem on Saturday or that obviously he suffered the heartbreak of not making the World Cup with Chile but you believe there was a muscular problem or he's just in a I'm sure he was tired. He was tired and disappointed. Right. I can understand that selection decision given the, the, the length of flight that he had to go to through, and you're not sure. So uh, the, the decision I could understand. Okay. Um, what, one final thing, maybe about Saturday's game that, that could be labelled. I, I was watching, obviously, the match for day highlights, um, and I watched their their winner several times. And I, I promise you, and I, Ian Wright went on to make the same point, but Jacker frightening lack of awareness desire pride in a football shirt it was it was staggering to just sort of look so indifferent you know two minutes from a game where everything's against you and I, I sort of was watching my girlfriend who I was trying to who, who is not wildly into football but I was pausing it repeatedly to go where Xhaka could be and then I felt incredibly vindicated when Ian Wright started doing the same thing a few minutes later but I found it so frustrating and, and he sort of Almost, he seems to be getting a lot of grief from the fans around me at the games, and, and of a player that's clearly got something who came in as a potential to be this defensive midfielder that we'd all grow to love. Actually, seems to have his favourite thing is playing a very good forty-yard ball and then admiring it, and doesn't seem to be this defensive midfielder would have hoped for. And is he good enough? You know, in another role, I'm not sure. James, it was it was frustrating on Saturday. It was, I think. The first thing about that kind of micro-incident is, it's actually a microcosm for Arsenal, the lack of accountability. Right. He knows he's not... I am, I'm slightly guessing, but I can't see him getting a massive bollocking when he goes into the dressing room for that. I really can't. Arsenal, if you speak to anyone who has any involvement at a club, say it's such a nice place to be. You'll go in, you'll, you know, you go to work every day, There's, you're not going to get told off for making those kinds of mistakes. Or you, not in the way Fergie would do. You're not going to get a hairdryer from him. You're not going to get thrown under the bus like Mourinho 
would do to players. I'm not saying there obviously needs to be a balance, but Arsenal feels like a very nice, comfortable place to be a footballer. And that's endemic That's endemic of that. In terms of Xhaka, he's unfortunately regressed from where he was towards the end of last season, where he looked really excellent in parts, particularly the FA Cup final. Um, but he strikes me as one of those players of the team's playing well, he will look good. And if he's got the right system in place, but unfortunately when you're playing central midfield, you actually probably need to be the driving force team behind your team playing well. And is he, I don't know if he has it in him to do that. Um, as you say, he's a great passer, but his physical attributes and lack of pace in particular are a real concern, particularly of how high up the pitch he plays, because when the ball's gone in behind him, he's nothing. Tim, have you been frustrated by him? Disappointed? Not quite what we hoped for? Or well, still, you're still. I think James summed it up very right. well there. I think he's got a nice passing range on him, but he's someone that needs other players around him performing to fit in, and he's not going to be the spark. And I think it particularly shows actually when Ramsey's not alongside. Well, yeah, Ramsey, another player, obviously won't be making it to World Cup, but um, presumably will be back. Um, be back for next week. It's time for a very quick break. We'll be back shortly. Footballistically Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Okay, and we're back. I wanted to bring up Tim with you. It's the AGM, actually, next week. And obviously with your role with the AST, I thought it'd be an interesting uh, time to get your thoughts because there's going to be, what, eight places for the AST? Well, all shareholders can attend and the Arsenal And the Arsenal own eight. So we have some of our board members who own shares individually and we have some places because we collectively own some shares. So we have people attending, in, you know, through us and that we know well um, and the questions will all have been in by now. Um, or you can also ask from the mic in the meeting, but the, some of the core questions have gone in. Have you proposed a question? Yes, several with others are they public I'm quite happy to talk about them there's a there's a challenge to how the club has been run and the governance suggesting will it need independent directors on the board that's genuinely independent so people who can hold the the club to account and the owner not people who just in effect do the work of the owner to say everything's fine there's questions about the board's competency in handling the the reappointment of the manager there's questions about the competency of handling the contract decisions there's questions about the finances about what on earth is going on with so much money again sitting there not used to strengthen the team um, and there's some other questions on sort of broadcast deals and financing and issues like that but there's some really tough challenge going in and there's also a separate to that but there is a specific request going in to ask Stan Kroenke to actually address the meeting because you know if a fish rots it rots from the head and you've got to have I believe a football club is a fairly small community of people and you've got to get that sense of purpose from the top Stan Kroenke needs to come and outline some vision and some passion and commitment from the club at the AGM one of the platform that is the opportunity and for that to then transmit itself to Gazidis and Wenger so we're calling on you know calling for some accountability at the top James talked about no accountability in the dressing room but this is a club that doesn't give you any accountability in the boardroom or from the owner in, in terms of talk about independent uh, stakeholders on the board, is that normal at other football clubs? Well, it's nor you know. It's I know normal, normal in business. It's but. normal in business about how good governance work, and you yeah. have independent non-executives. They normally don't serve terms longer than about eight years, so that they genuinely are independent and can hold 
issues to account. You're always going to get that slightly curious mix at Arsenal, which is that he's got 67% of the vote. That This meeting is going to ask for the reappointment of Chips Keswick as chairman and Josh Conkey as a director. It may well be that the hands in the room will go up against that because of a dissatisfaction with how the club is run. But only one hand needs to go up to vote 67% of the club. And part of the problem, symbolic. I think, part of the problem from the summer is that, I think... Mean, some challenge did come in about reappointing Wenger, but after the cup final, he went off and had a one-to-one with Kroenke, where he basically said, I want to stay, will you give me the contract? Yeah, you can have the contract. And then Wenger's follow-up is, I'm not having any of that interference, none of this catalyst to change rubbish, which is why we didn't really see any significant change, which is probably why the first eight games of the season feel quite deja vu to eight games from last season. And in, in terms of... There was a share sold last week, wasn't there? Shares are transferring at extraordinary prices. This but does, is, that, but does probably, that not lead to the argument that maybe someone's seeing some potential value coming in and therefore if there is a big deal coming, there'll be a time to sell and get a better price soon? Or is it just too insignificant with one share here, one share there? It's such an illiquid market yeah. that you, it could just be almost like a collector. Or, so, you know, if you are... You know, there are plenty of millionaires in London and that's that small change to get hold of a share... And, and, and get in. We do know it's not Kronky or Usmanov buying because they have to declare. We've also obviously seen the debate. The most likely major transaction when it comes at Arsenal would be Usmanov buying out Kronky or Kronky buying out Usmanov. And every time one offers the other money, the other one comes back in reverse. That, particularly if it were Kronky taking over, would be make things look even worse than now because the club could be taken private. He'd squeeze out the remaining small shareholders. There wouldn't even be an AGM to try and create some accountability. There would be reports and accounts that were much harder to find, probably registered in Delaware. I'm afraid, I know some of the tweets were asking when things are going to get better at Arsenal, but I'm afraid in terms of the ownership structure feeding down, I think we're stuck with a rather unpalatable status quo. And just finally on this, so you, you, you're not expecting Gronke to speak? We are going to challenge him and ask him to speak, but I think for three or four AGMs now, he hasn't said he hasn't said anything. All right, well, we will um, watch the baby breath. That's Thursday next week. Yeah, Thursday the 27th. Usually the ST do a good job of, of live tweeting, and I'm sure it'll be uh, picked up in, in various media outlets. But you're, you're right about these tweets people sent to us earlier today in terms of what we should talk about. Um, Simon Buckingham said, everything's so repetitive now. Feels like we're talking about the same stuff week to week. We need some positivity. What can we look forward to? So, James, I come to you. Give us, a, give us something of positivity that we can look forward to yet about this season. I'll put you on the spot there. I can come in while James thinks. Right. I've, I actually enjoyed the home game with Cologne as much as any game for a while. And I, you know, I went to Belarus, partly because I want to see a different culture. Tell us about but, Belarus. Oh, Belarus was fascinating. All I'm going to say is read your visa requirements carefully, kids. You oh, know, we're, be, we're lucky to be here. Lucky that I got out and, uh, you know, and back well. But you meet different fans. It's a different level of football. And I understand the frustration. It's not Champions League. But in some ways, it's a breath of fresh air. And I'm hoping that James has come up with his optimistic thoughts now. But I actually think, being optimistic, there's a very good chance. I mean, look at the squad of players that Arsenal could win the Europa League. And I think if that, is, that would be fun to watch as it's happening and meet different football fans and cultures and see something a bit different and quite frankly it's our level at the moment it would be a slightly different version of our league season being disappointing being saved by the FA Cup if our league season was slightly disappointing but saved by Europa League victory that got us back into the Champions League there would be a you know a positive spin on that as a season have you have you thought of something James 
Yeah, thanks, Tim. I was going to say the Europa League, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. And being knocked out in the quarterfinals by Liverpool. or By or Munich, semis. who looked like they might or, even or, stick or, down. Or Liverpool. That would just be the ultimate irony, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, I suppose the one thing which is absent and has so often been a kind of saving grace previous seasons is seeing the development of young players coming through the squad. And there's a real positive of them. I know... Um, Reese Nelson is obviously coming on and looks super, really exciting. Hopefully seeing more of him in the Europa League, I think, can only be a good thing. Iwobi is, I don't even know if you can classify him as a youngster anymore, but he... Yeah, he's, I think he, he still is. And that's second-season-itis, yeah, which can affect yeah. a lot of players. But I, I still think there's a real player in there. So there is. can look forward to hopefully him developing somewhat. Um but I'm kind of all out of ideas. Not an, e- not an easy environment for the young players when things aren't going well and the crowd are edgy no, and they pick not. up on that and they, they're they thrown in. I mean, quite a lot. Even even Holding, I think, who, you know, in some ways Arsenal fans moved him onto a pedestal higher than he should have been. There's wonderful talent in there. Yeah. But these are young players who are, you know, if they're going to play in our first team, we're going to have to accept some mistakes and that they're learning as they go. Yeah. I still would Good. much, much rather watch a committed up for it young player trying to break through and make a difference than some of the poncing around from from the sort of £250,000 a week type players we've seen recently yeah, I mean, so would I I mean I I suppose it's partly as you get older but I really the hero worship of players there isn't a single player in this squad who I actually feel any great affinity to other than Aaron Ramsey perhaps you know people laugh at me when I say this but Aaron Ramsey's the closest thing we have to a club legend at the club at present. He's been with us nearly a decade. He's won us two FA Cups. He's but he has no interest in signing a new deal from everything I understand. But you know, who, who to blame for that? Not necessarily Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. No, no, okay, yeah, that's a point of thinking. But that's, it's interesting, isn't it? You're viewing him in that way, and yet he, you know, from what I understand, his contract runs out next season. He's been presented with something, and he is, you know, very actively not, yeah, you know, looking to stay at the football club. I think. I think though, there's. You know, a caveat would be saying he's the closest thing to a club legend we have. That's the bar isn't set very high in this current crop of players, is it? Um, I think people would probably look at Koscielny and say that he, you know, he's been a good service. Obviously, not the same length of time. He has. Yeah. Um, it's not one at the moment that you would call a legend or has, has made it. There's some really talented players. You'll look back and say that Ozil at times gave flashes of genius, but actually, to be honest, you'll say over the four or five years bit meh bit disappointment in terms of what was paid Sanchez at times is great but it's almost like an individual performance going on out there I don't and Koscielny is a good quality centre half who served us well but he's not going to get up there with Adams or O'Leary or no, Sol Campbell like, is he he's not anywhere near they were part of the teams that were much more successful and therefore naturally will be remembered in a, a much positive light you know even players that you know, let's take Petit for an example. It wasn't Arsenal for a huge amount of time, but you know, just was there for a couple of seasons, was hugely successful, and maybe therefore the rose tinted glasses view him much more positively. Whereas the second he, you know, got a better offer, he was you know off and away. You need longevity or success or both to be a club yeah, legend. It, and it does depend a bit on what you're mixed in with. When I take the Ramsey example, it's firstly longevity. He's been with, with a decade, and don't forget he's a guy. I know he may well leave, but don't forget he took intolerable abuse and an horrible amount of shit from our fans after he went for a really nasty injury, recovered from it, showed amazing bollocks and attitude to do that. He's won us two FA Cups, and he's never really said anything publicly. He's never caused an issue. I agree. I think he will go. I think he'll go to Man City because 
Yeah, they need a box to box. They don't need any more players than I was scoring they, five, six, seven. It's a boring, isn't it? It is quite, yeah. What do you think about Chesney's comments? Did you see this, Tim? Uh, Tim there were some mm. comments from Chesney. I'll just read out a few. Yeah. Um, he said, um, you know, I think in general the coach in Italy are much more tactical. That's just how the league works. Whether it was Spalletti at Roma or Allegri here at Juventus, the preparation of the game is different to what I was used to in England. You work on the shape of the team, particular match or week. At Arsenal, you just prepare physically for it. But he watched film analysing a specific opponent before the game and afterwards will watch again to see what worked and what didn't. I enjoyed working with some great coaches at Arsenal, Roma and here. But the goalkeeping school is very, in Italy is very different. It's very technical and pays more attention to the details. It really made a difference for me because I started playing at a very young age with Arsenal. And as you play, you gain experience and how that's how you grow but honestly I couldn't say from a technical standpoint that I improved in any way from when I became first choice at Arsenal until the day I left for Roma however in the two and a half years since I came to Italy I've improved massively which is thanks to the coaches and the way they work it's not about improving when you play it's every day in training you have to work on every aspect of your game and that's something I've really enjoyed so Chesney sort of quite loves Arsenal I'd say he's uh, you know he tweets very positively he tries to take the piss out of Spurs when still mm. And yet that's quite scathing of, of what he feels his, you know, he as a footballer, as someone who has a, you know, a defined period of time to, to have his football career, he feels he had, you know, a, a time where he didn't improve and he ultimately seems to be blaming the environment. I think you I think you could perhaps slightly overinterpret that. I mean, you've okay. got a young player getting older who's probably maturing in his own attitude to training and what he does. But like all of these comments, you can probably pick up an underlying theme. And I think that that's the Arsenal setup is quite tired now and quite old. When, you know, Arsene Wenger arrived and was seen as an innovator. Some of it was diet and the physicality. Some of it was, you know, that you don't sort of, you know, throw teacups at the wall and scream and shout at halftime and you let players think about it. And at the time, it was quite progressive and it moved things forward. But I think that the Arsene Wenger approach is probably still, from what I'm told, still like it was 20 years ago. And, you know, managers now have moved on. The game has moved on with video analysis, getting players ready. And that's partly why I think Arsenal are just desperately waiting a new broom, a young 45-year-old manager at the cutting edge of the game and the next level of development to come in and take these players forward. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know if this because he talks about particularly the goalkeeping score in a very difference. Is that an underlying dig at, was it Jay Payton who would have been his, his goalkeeping coach? So it's an interesting kind of dig because for a goalkeeper, presumably, and, you know, I am not a former footballer, I'm not a goalkeeper, but your training is, specialist is training. different yeah. to what the rest of the outfield and yeah. is going on. I understand, obviously, you know, for set pieces and everything, the goalie has to be very aware, is it coming? But it seemed a slight underlying dig about maybe the goalkeeping coaches, maybe there the weren't the relationships that you hoped for. You, you talk about the, you know, the everything being out of date and what will change. There were quite a couple of tweets coming in to, to us earlier in terms of what we should talk about, sort of saying, you know, this was Richard Harvey said, Yorna being the, the laughing stock of the Premier League, bored of the same conversation when we lose, when will things get more exciting? And Alan Alga said, you know, what will the club look like on the 1st of June 2019? Presumably a reference to when we expect Arsenal to have a, a change of manager. So Tim just outlined there, James, a, a, a 45-year-old as yet undefined man who will, you know, walk in and, and change everything. Is that when you expect, you know, a, a change of, of, of genuine sort of, you know, um, positivity and improvement to the club is that is that when you expect it to come you would hope that would be the first step I think with the current ownership structure in place the only way we will be successful is if we have an exceptional manager and that is someone in the 
in the ilk of a Pochettino who is able to overachieve with what he's given because Kroenke has shown he's not going to give financial support in the crudest sense, i.e. he's not going to put his own money into it. So you're going to need a manager who has that ingenuity and the braveness to try something different. It's not poverty, though. It's a lot of money there. It's not, but Tim, in the latest AST... The analysis you guys did in the last meeting I went to, it was said we had Arsenal had £90 million to spend on transfers. Now, that includes amortised wages over a five-year contract. In this market, £90 million isn't that much, actually. And that's why what's it's going to happen... one world-class player. It's one world-class player. And given we're about to lose two of them for free this summer, that is terrifying. So what are we going to look like in 2019? I think we could... Ha- I think what is likely is we'll have a fairly average squad because... Our two best players are going to go for free. We're not going to be able to afford to replace both of them. We'll probably we'll replace one of them with a star, but not do much more than that. And who, who that manager is going to be, it has to be someone young, has to be someone fresh. It needs to be someone, I think, someone like Yardim at Monaco, who has shown he is able to a- achieve with a young, talented squad, which he hasn't been spending heavily. He's had his squad ravaged, actually, over the last year. Someone, not necessarily him, but someone of that ilk. And I think, listen, we might not be better, but it gives us hope. It gives us excitement. And that's what we need as football fans. It's the hope that something exciting or different might happen, whereas we don't have that. In in terms of the next Arsenal market, which Alan, next Arsenal manager market, which is Alan Algo always reminds me, is like the longest running betting market in, in sort of betting history I think on the grounds that you know there's been many years now where there is supposed uh, exit from Arsenal yet it's never quite happened but yeah the names at the top still sort of Simeone Thomas Tuchel Ancelotti Vieira Eddie Howe Rafa Benitez Allegri I mean, so. some of those names are dreadful as well uh, aren't they? Jardim about a 16 to 1 shot from, from what I can see for those who are interested anyway let's move on and, and talk about the two games that are going to take place before we podcast next um, next week you went to Barte Tim so you, you've already been on one of these European journeys I suspect um, there weren't too many fans who travelled from the UK there would have been a lot of European Arsenal fans I'm sure be much for much on Thursday I'll just read out a team that played at Barte it was Ospina who we assume will be the same on Thursday the back three were Mustafi Mertesacker and Holding so you know Holding we assume will play Pep could well play again um, then midfield was you know Maitland Nards Willock who I think was actually it was good fun watching them yeah, yeah, yeah El Nenny Reece Nelson and the front three a bit more experience in yeah. Wilshire Walcott and Giroud similar ish yeah. sort of set up yeah. tomorrow yeah. Especially, especially now with the cushion of uh, six points you're looking at that group you know you can afford to lose that game even and you still get you know you'll get through and come out of it because the top two so absolutely it's a good chance to let fringe players get some fitness the youngsters start and rest everyone for what really is a very very major game at, at the weekend well centre back we have to be careful we I don't think we can be playing Mertesacker again on Thursday, on Thursday night given Koscielny could well be out of the next game well he's flirted didn't he, in pre-season with Elneny at centre-back did I'd, do that once he did yeah and I do I don't should be tempted to do that for this next for the Europa game be interesting what he does. obviously Belgrade at the moment are on four points Barteng 
Cologne are on well Barter on one Cologne on, on zero but yeah like you say this is a game we could possibly afford to lose and then obviously it's the next game in the group is the reverse of this fixture and, and Barter come at home so uh, we're expecting a sort of similarly uh, you know mix I guess but it, it's been good fun and look if that is the quite possibly the positive to come from the season let's hope we do at least top the group and the, we give the, ourselves the best chance What what's interesting about this tournament is Arsenal will take it seriously until the moment of something else more serious comes along and the decision that will be weighed up game by game in the early spring is have we got more chance of making the Champions League through the Europa League than through the Premier League table and he could quite easily play a squad that's weaker than you just saw in a quarter-final of the Europa League in the new year or he could do the other way and do what Mourinho did at our place and throw the league game because he actually looks at the draw and thinks there's more chance it is I can't explain how mission critical it is for Arsenal to scrape that fourth place or Champions League. James already articulated the financial situation. It compounds if you don't get in for a second year in a row because it starts to become a trend. Sponsors pay less. You don't get the boost of income for the second year. Also, I don't think there's been enough comment because Arsenal tried that lame line that we didn't get Lamar because there wasn't enough time. We didn't get Lamar because he turned us down. And when you're in the Europa League, you get turned down by better players or you have to pay even more to compensate them for the misery of playing in that tournament. So two years in a row is a real crisis. And, it, you know, so Arsenal will take the Europa League relatively seriously unless they think it's getting in the way, probably, of what looks like fourth spot. And for all our angst... I still think fourth spot is achievable. And I think well, we on, on top of what in... was being said, I wanted to say that we're obviously frustrated with, with results and how Arsenal perform and they're not good enough. But they're not that far below par either. I think what we're also just fed up with is rep- repetition, repetition. And that I think there's an element that if a, if a different manager came in with a different style and a different approach and took us to fourth, but even just listening to a different press conference would be a breath of fresh air. Seeing a different formation try. I mean, I think after a two or three years, it might catch up with that manager as well. But don't you, don't you think people are as well as fed up with the results? People are just bored now. Mm. It's kind of like the same old excuses, the same old failures. Let's just do it differently and end up with the same result. Well, to me, I can't. I'm, I, I we're, feel, we're, we're very bad. consistent, are we? Yeah. Feel both, both frustrated with the results, but there's something deeper than that. It's just this sense of malaise and nothing fresh and nothing invigorating or challenging about what's going on. Well, we, we are on 13 points. We're only two points behind fourth, of which, you know, is bizarrely. Only Watford. two points off 18th, but go on. Uh, not true. Not quite that bad. Not two. <laughs> two, two points off uh, Newcastle in ninth. Uh, Leicester down in the relegation zone, obviously sacking uh, Shakespeare today. Um, let's talk about it then. We, we go to Everton who, you know, if there are a set of fans more upset with us and at least we, we have, you know, 35,000 people in Merseyside to look at this weekend, they're only two points. They are the ones who are only two points off the relegation zone, Tim. Um, eight points from their eight games, not inconceivable. They could be in the relegation zone by the time uh, this game takes place should Leicester get um, a victory this weekend. So, what, what do you think about that? Because it's become a huge game because, you know, we haven't won away all season. Everton is somewhere that, you know, the beginning of the sort of fall away last year, I remember going up there, you know, on, what was it, midweek, sometime in December, I think it was, and we, and we lost 2-1. Um, I think also haven't been ahead in that game, I think. Yeah, maybe Alexis just like we were on, kick. Just like we were on Saturday. So, 
So here we go, um, travelling to, to Merseyside. I'm not going to make the trip. This is a TV one for me. The enthusiasm for going away is slightly waning, but I'm sure we'll, we'll be back on it soon. So go on, let, let's have a quick prediction for Everton and then we're going to wrap up. I mean, this is a, a, a slightly trite thing to say because you say about half the clubs in the Premier League, but thank God they haven't got Lukaku there because that's exactly the sort of player that unsettles us. Yeah. And in some ways, he's a better quality, much better quality Deeney. It, it's a really tough game because when needed, they need to scrap. I just get a feeling with Everton that it's not quite working, but Arsenal arriving, they'll click a little bit more and they'll have watched what happened to Watford and know that they that you rough Arsenal up and you come at them. And I think it's going to be a tough, ugly game, and I think it will be one all. Yeah, one all. It sort of feels like you know both sides can spin that as a sort of positive or not too much of a negative. What, manager can what's your prediction there, James? I fully expect us to reinvigorate their season and lose two one. Wow. It's. I don't know what to say because I'm so mixed at the moment, and usually I'm quite positive on this podcast. But is I must it then say, City coming away, away, City away is the next Premier League away game. Uh, that's uh, we go there in the fifth of November, don't we? So yeah, we must so have a that must be the next away Premier League yeah, game. So, yeah, I so think so that's when, right. It's Goodison, then City. When, when Spurs? That's then the home game after the no. international break. So it's City Spurs with All right. the break. That's wow. <laughs> right, I'm going to go for a two-one victory for Arsenal. Um, that we're going to get our first away win of the season. And, and prediction for Bill um, for Bill Great on Thursday from Tim. Oh, I think Arsenal will win that two-one. 2-1 and James? 3-1 Arsenal. 3-1 Arsenal. I will say 2-0 to Arsenal. Um, well, look, it's been, it's been 46 minutes of trying to, to find the occasional positive, but it's a, it feels like a solemn week. It feels like a, a podcast we've, we've done too many times in the past and fingers crossed, another victory in the Europa League, which will pretty much put us on the verge of, of getting through to at least have some European football to look forward to in 2018 and uh, look fingers crossed you know if there is a team you could argue that you want to go and play this weekend it's, it is potentially a, a struggling Everton so we bid you farewell thank you so much to Tim James great to have you back I'm sure we'll see you again soon and uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back next week This is a Playback Media production to get all the links for this podcast go to arsenalpodcast.net Footballistically Arsenal is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.